TD! People don't know what it is to be champions. Oklahoma invented it. On a Sunday night here in the great state of Oklahoma, only joined alongside Peyton Guthrie because the Oklahoma City Thunder are hope, hopefully losing another game tonight uh, to increase their chances of getting Jabari Smith. Matt Burden will not be with us, our producer, but as always, as I just mentioned a second ago, Peyton Guthrie joins us, sir. How's our How's our weekend? Pretty good. I'm keeping the uh, keeping Oklahoma down while you're out. Jets sitting about rubbing the elbows of all the uh, fancy pants people. Some of us had to stay in Oklahoma and make sure the the state didn't fly away uh, from all the flyover country stuff that we hit by on a daily basis. So some of us had to stay here and and make sure the rocks holding the corners of the state stayed where they're supposed to be. But how, I mean, how how was your trip, man? It was uh, it was a lot but a lot smoother than my last trip. I can tell you that. Um, no ice storm in the state of Oklahoma that kept me and uh, kept me in Mobile for a couple days. But I will, I will tell you, I was a little bit worried. There was those st- tornadoes and severe storms going through Iowa yesterday. Mm-hmm. And we got to the airport around six o'clock. Our flight was at eight o'clock uh, Eastern time. And I was, those storms were forming and they were moving, moving east. Thank God they were moving northeast or I think I would have been stuck in Indianapolis for another nine. And that would have been absolutely brutal, but it was good. It was, uh, it was a successful month. Um, we got a lot done, um, met a lot of really cool people. As you, as you mentioned a second ago, doing a lot of really cool things. And it's, uh, it's just crazy. The whole, the whole ordeal, the mobile and the senior bowl shrine bowl and, and the combine. I mean, it's just, I think what a lot of people just don't understand is that don't get me wrong. Like those events are important. You know, we've talked about how usually like the combines even less like the senior bowl and shrine bowl, probably are like 25% of an evaluation. The combines like maybe 10%. It's like a final mm-hmm. like piece of the evaluation for those guys. But the interviews that go on, obviously are more important. And people have talked about that, talked about that for forever. But on the other side of things, Peyton, it's like one, it's, it's for the high up executives in the NFL, like these events are more for negotiating current their current players contracts with their agents. Like they're these are like networking trades, like tr- p- trade potentials heading up to the draft. Like high up people in the NFL, they go to these events, man, and like I know of four teams that I was hanging out with when the combine was going on. Like very important people in these organizations. Like they weren't even watching the combine. Um, they got done with their interviews. Um, the scouts were over there, right? Cause that's their job. But like the high up executives and stuff like that, like they just, again, they're like, one of them basically told me, he's like, yeah, I just tell our head scout just to send me a list every day of how every guy did. It's like, I check it in the morning and then I go on with my day. So like one of the guys that I talked to said his like daily schedule is like starts in the morning at 9am with interviews and he gets done around like nine o'clock at night. So, I mean, they don't really have time. The combine started at seven o'clock. Um, but yeah, it's just weird, man. Cause like you have this whole perspective of what these events are 
you know, like heading in and then you get there and it's this whole different, I mean, everybody just goes and goes to the bars and gets drunk and talks and networks. And it's just, that's, uh, I guess that's how most business trips are, but it was good. It was, uh, it's crazy. Like it's again, like I mentioned a second ago, you know, meeting with people and talking to people that I would never in a million years think I would have got in front of and, and talk to So it's, uh, it's crazy. Yeah. I mean, I've got a little bit of experience. It's, obviously it's not the same, but when I was in college, um, with my uh, acting directing uh, degree in my uh, junior and senior years, I went to, um, Oh man, I I cannot remember the acronym for it, but basically we went down to, uh, to Birmingham, Alabama, uh, for, uh, some cattle call auditions. There's like 300 companies down there and you're, you're, you know, you go on stage and you give your monologue and sing your song. If you've got one and you know, you have, you, you do all this stuff. And, you know, it's everyone's just looking at you. Everyone's doing this stuff. I remember walking on stage and the moment I walk on stage, you see like 80% of the companies just take the piece of paper, which is your resume and just move it to the trash can just immediately. It's because you're like, oh, he's too short. He's too tall. His hair is not the same way it needs to be. And you're just like, oh, well, I got to keep, I got to do the rest of the thing. <laughs> um, but most of that stuff is built through, hey, there's a, there's some, there's some stuff going down. There's a casting agent who kind of liked your thing. He's going to be at this place. Do you want to head down there? I mean, that's all that is. It's just getting to know people, getting to do that kind of stuff. And I mean, it really opens your eyes because you really think it's, Oh man, if I do really well, if I hit my, if I hit all my stuff, I'm going to change their mind. But half the time they've got like a, like from my perspective, it was like, um, we're doing a show that we did three years ago and we already have a costume and this dude's too small for it. <laughs> you know, stuff like that. I mean, it's just like immediate and it's gotta be that way, especially for, some of OU's guys where it's like, man, no, we'll get into it. But like, man, Brian Osamo, he ran really well in so-and-so, but uh, for our off ball guys, we like to be a little bit bigger, you know, so, and it's like, well, what are you going to do? <laughs> you know, it, it, you only have, you can only climb so much if you're not like uh, uber athletically gifted one, you know, your, your, your physical output, but also just your physical measurement. So um, it, it's kind of, um, it's cool. They get a chance. It's cool. It's a cool 11 OU players got a chance to, you know, make their, you know, give their audition to, to all these people. And hopefully they, they took the best of it and took the time to meet these people and, uh, you know, come across as good guys. Uh, I know the big one that over the weekend was happening not and I actually want to ask you about this. How much of a buzz was that Malik Williams tweet thing? I mean, was that just like everyone talking about that or is just that just totally just a Twitter thing? They helped that guy on the side of the road or whatever. No, I mean, it was the talk of town for whenever that went down. And that was really cool. I mean, like how Indianapolis, I'm going to start here, like how Indianapolis is set up. Have you been to Indianapolis before, Peyton? I have not, no. Okay, so just like a lot of the Midwest, Northeast cities, everything's connected with sky bridges because it's so cold in the Mm -hmm. winter. So, um, yeah, I mean, you're in those sky bridges and there'll be homeless people be in there and, you know, staying in there where it's a little bit warmer. Um, so you're walking by and you're kind of exposed to that kind of environment the whole time. Not that it was a bad thing at all. I mean, I completely get it. You know, like I would want to get somewhere that's a little bit warmer than 20 degrees with a slight wind as well. Mm -hmm. Um, so, but it was great. Like he's a really good dude. Um, there's nothing but good things that are being said about Malik Willis right now. And yeah, that video is awesome. And it was like wholesome too. Like it, he wasn't around, he wasn't, he wasn't with anybody. Um, yeah. like genuinely, like he was just walking and was like, you know, this guy looked cold. I think he only had a t-shirt on. And so he gave him a lot of his clothing or almost all of it, I think. 
And so, yeah, it was the, it was a talk. That was the first day that I got into town when that video surfaced. So yeah, a lot of people were talking about it. Um, but at the same time, I do want to mention, I sure as hell hope they don't move that thing from Indianapolis. It's perfect. I mean, it, the convention center, the hotels where everybody stays at for all the meetings, like it's literally all right there, all connected. You don't have to get outside. Um, but it sounds like Jerry Jones is making a massive bid to move the combine to Dallas. So we'll see. Uh, yeah, they're, yeah, they're trying to move everything to Dallas. It seems like to a certain degree. I mean, it, it, it's got a big infrastructure to do it, but I, I think you're right there. Dallas is so spread out that it needs to be in places that have, that are more clustered that you can just like walk to certain places. Dallas is, that's almost impossible to do in Dallas. If it was at the it star in Frisco. Well, yeah, if it was at the star in Frisco, mm-hmm. I think it'd be a different conversation. Cause you have the Omni right there. You have all the hotels that are around, you know, they're kind of building that out. You know, how I, I was explaining to people like the star is kind of how OU basketball, what they're trying to do with the new arena where they're going to build that arena and build all those bars and restaurants and, you know, all that stuff around it. Like that'd be perfect. Cause it's all right there, but they're trying to put the damn thing at AT&T stadium. And it's just like, that doesn't make any sense. Cause yeah, there's it's just parking nothing. Yeah. It's, there's nothing around it. The closest thing is Texas live in that area. There's some hotels and this and that, but it's not. So no, hopefully it doesn't move. It was obviously my first trip to the combine first time or second time in Indianapolis, my first trip to the combine. So, um, it was really, really cool before I forget, um, people, listen to this podcast please go leave us a nice comment go review um subscribe to the podcast on all your podcasting platforms including spotify um we'll continue to mention that one exclusively just because not a lot of people know you can leave um reviews and ratings and all that stuff there we greatly greatly appreciate it and the patreon still going strong uh two really good interviews last week um we'll have two another good interviews this week and then continue to move on in spring football as we start moving that track into the doldrums of the off season, Peyton. Uh, but we'd love to have you guys couple um, it's at patreon.com slash through the keyhole. Mm-hmm. We also have a couple really, really good film reviews. Um, two of them. And I, I don't say this stuff very often that I'm extremely proud about. Um, very valuable. Like those are videos that if you go to coachtube.com, which is like a, website for coaches you can go do like a subscription or you can pay like per video or do this and that and they're like six bucks um per video like you're getting that for five dollars and these are as quality you're these are as quality as those you're going to get great insight into the run game that jeff levy's bringing the norman i'm sure we'll talk about that at some point in this in this podcast as well as the passing game we're going to look at the defense um this week as well as some of how these newcomers fit in uh, to what Oklahoma is doing. So we love to have you patreon.com slash through the keyhole on the home front. Oklahoma had a massive recruiting weekend. I don't know if Matt massive may be an over-exaggeration, but uh, it was a big one national one. We talked about it last week. Um, you know, New Jersey, Georgia, Florida, Southeast part of the country guys coming in. Um, and then a, a big focus, Focus on DFW kids and Kansas kids, um, Kansas and Kansas city. I about made that same mistake again, because Kansas city, uh, <laughs> half of it's located in Missouri. So, um, a big focus on those kids. So let's start here with the, uh, the big recruiting weekend that it was in Norman. Um, there's a trend kind of happening here, right? Trend needs to be three, four, five, six times. But mm-hmm. We at least how have two instances, Oklahoma bringing in a preferred walk on, um, 
Akali. I just had the name pulled up, but he's from New Jersey. Um, his mom is the one that tweeted about how everything was so organized. Um, back to Lee Davis, the new director of their on-campus recruiting for Oklahoma. Um, he's close with Musa Kane, and he's close with the other visitor from New Jersey that came in. They also offered Levius Overton's brother, Peyton. Mm-hmm. I think they're ready to win at all costs because I'm mentioning this in the aspect of that came back to bite Oklahoma a year ago. The decision to not af- to not offer Tabry Shetron didn't make sense at the time. Um, when you looked at the roster and how everything was built, you could have lost Brayden Willis. You could have lost Jeremiah Hall. If Austin Stogner had a good year, he could have mm-hmm. gone to the NFL draft. Um, and you lose talent Shetron, who I've mentioned before, I think that is a one of the biggest wins in Mike Gundy's career regardless. Doesn't look like that's going to happen to Oklahoma anymore, Peyton. No, I mean, there, there's, there's, there's a certain perspective from the idea that OU is above playing that game. You know, OU is above trying to, you know, take in package deals. Because, again, that that can also at the same time get you down the line as well. I mean, because, you know, the, the Taylor Chetron part of that is that, you know, hey, you've missed out on this wide receiver. But what if he turns out and he just turns out like a, um, like a Hazelwood? You know what I'm saying? Like what if he doesn't turn out world-beating, game-changing wide receiver – and all of a sudden you're kind of filling up a roster spot and you've got two of them taken up. And then you keep doing that. You kind of start putting hard, hard ceiling limits on your, uh, on the talent of your roster as well. I mean, there, there are two ways about that. And especially on your Lincoln Riley, he always wanted to chase, you know, he, and he very rarely wanted to, to, you know, uh, give ground to anything like that. So in his mind, if he misses out on somebody, I mean, even just look at Caleb Williams. I mean, he missed out on uh, the, um, the Harry Potter villain and immediately went and got the very next guy. I mean, there was no like, oh, our backup plans are really high. Harry Potter villain. (laughs) (laughs) Um, You're talking about Brock Vandegrift, right? Yes. Yes. That's hilarious. Um, I have never heard that. That is great stuff. Sorry. There's going to be, and there's probably no way that Brock Vandegrift plays right at at Georgia. I mean, you can just tell how their offense is set up. Their offense is set up for, we want someone to throw the ball five yards. Like, if I was a five-star quarterback, there's no way I'm going to Georgia in any way, shape, or form. <laughs> they just don't run an offense that allows you to actually play football. But anyway, you know, that's that was his recruiting profile. Um, Brent seems to think, and maybe this is just the 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 sign of the times that OU is in right now. I mean, these unprecedented times to a certain degree. <laughs> OU may need to um, lower that self-regard just slightly and say, hey – we're moving to the SEC. We need as many top-end talents as we can possibly potentially get. And we're also kind of on shaky ground. I mean, we're having to prove ourselves a lot. I mean, when Lincoln Riley was there, it was the Lincoln Riley show featuring OU. Uh, it, this is not how this setup is. This setup's the University of Oklahoma uh, first and foremost. And as we've seen on Twitter, on Instagram, on TikTok, on Snapchat, on Facebook, on you know, HTML message boards. Um, no one seems to think OU existed before 2015. So you're kind of selling this program <laughs> from, from a perspective uh, all over again to these kids who only know your program because of one head coach, you know? So um, it, it, it's a tough road, but OU from what I've seen and what you're just talking about seem to have hit it out of the park. I mean, I'm hoping it's just not this weird stuff on the edge you know, like oh, they're very professional. Everything was on time. Everything ran smoothly. It's like that one, um, that one recruit who tweeted out, 
uh, that one transfer who was like, yeah, love Brent Venables. He's great, great man. Think he's the most uh, genuine person I've ever met in my life. Anyway, I'm committing to this other school. I'm going <laughs> you know, to like, Ole Miss. I hope that's, yeah, I hope that's not how all this is going. Everyone's like, man, they really have their stuff figured out. I hope I play them sometime. <laughs> you know, <laughs> So I, I'm hoping this c- continues to build positive momentum. Uh, and as we've seen some of the press conferences, um, Chavez, uh, uh, especially, it does seem like maybe these head coaches and these coaching staff kind of kind of understand the task, you know? No, for sure. And I, I definitely think they do. And I think that they're, as well, too, I think it's very apparent that they're also recruiting the person and mm-hmm. not just the player. And it's it, – every staff says that. Um, yeah. But obviously, um, there were some characters in Norman. And you can even mention Oklahoma's – pursuit of DeMond DeMoss and the, all the issues that he's having now at Texas A&M. Um, and so I think from ever by all accounts that they're, you know, like the Oklahoma got a crystal ball or on three prediction, whatever we want to call it from a player tonight, he's a three-star recruit right now. Right. Like they, like they're making sure they get the evaluation right in all aspects of it. Um, but also too. I think they're doing whatever they possibly can to have connections and network and have as many possibilities to land a big fish that they can possibly get. And maybe that's not something the old staff would have done. And so, because you can even go back to Bob, um, right. The Foreman brothers, the the running back ended up being better. uh, Deontay being better than Armani or Armani, but they wouldn't offer Deontay Foreman um, to get the wide receiver. And he ended up going to Texas. And so, again, I think it's just a, it's a shifted mindset a little bit. Um, You don't always carry 85 scholarship players anyways. So one, two, three, four, five sunk costs maybe doesn't hurt you in the realm of things. And so I think that that perspective um, it's really good. Like I, I, I applaud that. And when you're going to compete at the, the schools you're competing against, cause you're not recruiting against Baylor. You're not recruiting against TCU anymore. You're not recruiting against Oklahoma state. Um, except for the Chetron example, um, you're recruiting against LSU and Alabama mm-hmm. and Georgia and Ohio state. And you need as much leverage as you possibly can to go get those guys. And I, I applaud them for it. Um, I think it's really, really good. You mentioned a second ago, the second thing that we were going to dive into first before getting into many of the players. Um, there's a tweet out from Josh McQuiston, Soonerscoop.com. Um, had talked, I guess, to a coach that was in attendance um, down in Norman. And he said, those guys are going to win. That's the best and most organized event I've ever been to. And I've been everywhere. There's some context to this. I don't know if that coach has been at OU events before. I don't know if that coach has been at other events. I don't know what other schools he's been to. He says he's been to everywhere. So I'm assuming he has been in Norman for some of the events that were happening under um, the previous regime. And I sent a tweet out um, after the fact, and I've gotten some pushback on it of how about you tell us the story instead of just sending tweets out there? Well, people that I'm not going to do that for one, um, I'm not going to burn bridges with anybody, but you know, my tweet reads, sounds like they weren't busing people back to hotels where they would only stay there for 15 minutes before going back to the place they had just left. Um, that comes from the champion barbecue last year. There was the situation where 
guys were bused back to the Renaissance Hotel. They were there for 10 minutes, got on the bus back and came back to the facility. And I think, again, that just kind of speaks to the environments that those big recruiting weekends, for one, I think this happens to every school. I don't think it's an exclusively Oklahoma thing where there's so many players and you don't have enough staff members that it is a little chaotic, um, that there is a little unorganization to it. But it was almost you almost heard those kind of comments, Peyton, from every event. You know, coaches not getting enough time with a player. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, coaches, you know, things, players, you know, feeling they don't have a lot of time to do a lot of things. Um, And one, Lee Davis, the new on-campus, the director of on-campus recruiting is going to get a lot of credit for this, but I, good for her. Um, I think she could potentially, she's going to chance to have it be a really good asset for Oklahoma. But this is a Thad Turnip seat thing because Clemson, he turned that thing, that recruiting, he turned that program into a recruiting machine. Um, and turnip seed's going to make sure that it's organized. He's going to make sure that everything's all the boxes are checked off and that, that things are going well. Now to your point, there's a, there's a, it's a good thing that that's happening, right? That they feel the genuineness, they feel the organization that they feel that these players feel wanted on these visits, every mm-hmm. single one of them. That's a good thing. <laughs> the side of that, right is that uh, you got to land them. So good job on the first part. The events are good, organized, everything's going well. But on the back end of it, to your point, you guys still go land these guys. Yeah, I mean, that, the, the game is always about – I mean, college college football is a, is a results-driven business. You know, NFL, you, you can get away a little bit by doing the whole – well, our numbers say, baseball numbers say, we're going to get better and better. Uh, college football just does not have the patience for that. College football is you got to land the guys, you got to win the games, you know, and however you figure that out and how you do that, that's your business. But uh, you have you have to do those two things, get recruits and win football games. Uh, those are the only two things that matter um, in a lot of boosters eyes. Only two things that matter when it comes to your uh, you know, contract, you know, I, Matt, maybe Matt Campbell has a, you know, some clauses in his com, uh, contracts. Like, you know, we, we uh, graduated three kids with a 3.5 GPA and they had a, you know, 72 hours of community service every week. I mean, maybe he's got stuff like that, but most of these dudes uh, that, you know, they've got contract stuff that um, usually says something like you won a football game. <laughs> um, so hopefully OU is able to kind of turn that momentum around Um for that type of stuff. And it's not just a feel good, you know, look good type situation. What I will say, um, and I heard this, this statement first from Rod Smith, uh, the former uh, Denver Broncos um, uh, wide receiver, undrafted wide receiver for all you stars don't matter people. Uh, one of the best uh, uh, wide receivers in different Broncos his- history, if not the best, um, how you do one thing is how you do everything. So if OU is already kind of moving into that direction where all these small things are starting to build up and they're doing all these small things the right way, then potentially we're talking about you stack those things up. And the main thing is also being done the correct way because everything else on the outside is, 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 is doing well. It's the same thing of how you like right now I'm going through, um, some 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 back issues. I've got a sciatic nerve issue, kind of totally fucking my leg up for over a month now. It's hard to walk, but the idea is how it looks like I'm gonna be looking at physical therapy and stuff. Is 
you have to strengthen all these smaller little muscle groups around your big muscles to kind of support everything. And that's the same thing with everything. If, if OU can support this stuff by like, we have an agenda and we're sticking to this agenda and everything runs smoothly, that's going to impact that recruits day that day, how that family's interacting with coaches. They're not feeling rushed around and panicked and like they don't know what's happening. That's a, you know, it leaves a more favorable thing for, for that family, for that recruit. And next year, you know, you start landing more of those kids than you're not. And then you start winning these ball games that OU's been losing. It, it all matters. It's the idea of a, you know, a snow, it's just a snowflake that turns to a snowball and turns to the avalanche. I mean, have you been hearing anything, Keegan, just more about, does it seem beyond just this weekend? Does it seem like there's just people are more of a give a shit in the, in the, in the offices? I mean, I wouldn't say that like last half was necessarily like the give a shit factor, right? Like it wasn't there, but I do think that there was always, you know, I think people wanted to feel like that they landed this guy. Like I, Mm -hmm. I landed this recruit. Right. And I think that this is more of a family feel to it. Um, I think Brent is taking on a lot of the primary recruiting, like along the lines of what Lincoln Riley did as well, which is something that you need. You've heard Marcus Freeman talk about that from Notre mm-hmm. Dame. And so I think that aspect of it, that there's less prideful, you know, and there's less prideful people and there's less egos in those offices right now. Um, people are able to put that to the side for the greater good of everybody. And I just don't know if that was the case um, before now. This is the honeymoon phase, right? Like you got to be careful sure. of the things you got to be careful of things that are coming out of those offices for the next nine months. Uh, we'll see how the fall camp notes that leak out Payton or uh, we'll see how those line up with what happened in the season. Um, because the last couple of years of fall notes obviously didn't translate um, in the things that were leaking out. So yeah, I think it, I think it all works together. I just, I would say that this staff, there's a uh, more of a togetherness. It feels like, to it and maybe it's you know we've talked about this i don't i still don't know how to feel about the whole bringing the band back together aspect of oklahoma football right now and like the nostalgia from it um but it works you know you get people that have that know oklahoma they know norman they know the feel of, of how things are supposed to be done here to win at a high level all of those things i think are great and it's going to continue to benefit them. Um, you know, people that want to be, want to be at Oklahoma, like they, you know, you've got guys like Curtis Lofton that are, mm-hmm. I believe part of the soul mission. I mean, he's up in Indianapolis um, making sure all the Oklahoma guys are good. And he didn't even, he wasn't even around for any of them. Um, he talked on radio about him on the franchise yeah. in Oklahoma city. Um, but you know, he wasn't a part of the program. Like he didn't know, he doesn't know Delaren Turner yell or Perry Alden Winfrey, or, I mean, I'm sure, I'm sure Curtis Lofton watched Brian Osmo and wish he did know him a little bit more so he could help him out, you know? So like, I think, I think that aspect of it's going to continue to be good and it's going to benefit Oklahoma greatly. But again, I, I, I'm always going to err on the side of caution, you know, this and take some notes from the Texas side of things and the people I've talked to down there of be a little bit careful of the honeymoon phase um, and things that are coming out. So uh, speaking of the honeymoon phase, it does help with recruiting um, because you can sell things that aren't happening and you can sell the future. And uh, Oklahoma had a, you know, we mentioned big, massive recruiting weekend. It probably isn't going to be as big as some of these official visit weekends in the summer, but let's start with Richard Young, the five-star running back. Um, one, I want to start with the aspect of, holy crap, that guy 
he looks the part. I'll leave. I'll say that before I get any say anything cringeworthy. Oh, does it? Yeah. I mean, it's just interesting to have that type of guy on on campus. I mean, that, that's the first thing. You have to get those guys on campus first, and then it becomes more more quote unquote acceptable to have those guys on campus. I mean, th- th- that's the that's the one thing that uh, that OU under Brent, there's probably just a little bit of like, well, who's going to go first? Who's going to go visit this new staff first of the, of that five-star batch. So it's cool. That was that kind of guy. Now I'm a little bit of a, uh, do, you know, running back wins guy, I guess. <laughs> do they really matter to a certain degree? Now in college football, they matter more because just the level of play of quarterback and, you know, college football is much, much different than in the NFL. Um, you know, you don't have that many Tom Brady's walking around or, you know, I guess, I mean, I guess you did at one point in time, they played college, but you, you don't see them perform at that level. You don't see them go at that level. Uh, so it's interesting to have that. I just have not been too enthused. I have not put a lot of emotional weight into him because it just does not. I mean, other than just my shell shookness of uh, being an OU fan, I'm just not for sure if that's in the cards for OU. I could be wrong. I mean, please correct me if you think DeMarco is going to roll him out. Um, I'm more of looking at like uh, Gage or something like that. One thing for Gage is that he's formerly from Hugo, Oklahoma, apparently my hometown. So that'd be really cool to pull in uh, Stacey Gage, who's at IMG uh, currently. Um, to me, that's probably the, the where the type of running back is going to be coming from for OU in the in the in this recent future. But I mean, walk, walk me through, walk me, walk me through young, give me sell me the pour the sweet, um, the sweet poison in my ear about, about, uh, about Mr. Young. Well, I say this all the time, running backs do matter at the NFL level. I am that uh, my business partner, uh, Stephen mm-hmm. Plasance would be mad at me for saying what I just said. Um, they matter to a certain extent. Certain ones do. Joe Mixon, Christian McCaffrey, Saquon Barkley, if he could, you know, if those last two could stay healthy. I mean, there's mm-hmm. a handful plus of guys that, that what they bring in the pass game um, in a pass heavy league, um, those things are valuable. And, and running backs in college matter to a certain extent as well. Um, there's enough statistical analysis out there. Uh, I believe either Ted, Tage, Seth, or Connor McQuistion from PFF have, do, have done research on that, that college running backs do have more value, obviously, than the NFL guys. And I would imagine that that's, just, that's probably like a talent discrepancy thing more than anything. Like, those guys are just way more wickedly talented at that level than the players are going against. Yes. Um, because you because at the NFL level, you've got guys like Jordan Davis that are six foot six and 341 pounds and can run a 478. We're going to talk about that here in a second. But... <laughs> Richard Young is a real deal. Um, But to your point, it doesn't necessarily add up because it felt like Oklahoma was all in on Trey Wisner and Dylan Edwards at running back. And so, and maybe even bringing a third guy in, like you said, with Stacey Gage. So it doesn't make a whole lot of sense, but at the same time, like that's one of those guys, like I knew he was a big time player. But then seeing him walk around like next and seeing him take pictures with Brent and DeMarco Murray, it's just like, holy crap. Like guys just, I mean, I'm sure they did back in the day too, but it's just like, man, these guys are starting, these guys are starting to look much different than what even I remembered five, six years ago when I first started following all this stuff. So he's one of those guys that matters. Um, His versatility matters. And so it would be a big coup for Oklahoma if they can land a guy like that. Caden Green, um, four-star offensive tackle from Kansas City area, back in town. 
Oklahoma's got a massive lead. That is a guy I got a little bit of insight on. Um, and that shouldn't awesome. shock anybody. No, I mean, people have been talking about the recruiting guys like Josh McQuiston, Brandon Drum, uh, I'm sure Red Dirt Sport, um, all the guys that follow recruiting and have nuggets and inside info have been saying it. It's nothing new. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's obviously a lot of buzz about, you know, this guy, this could be a guy that could be a top 50 player in the country, maybe even a five-star player um, before this time is done. And for Oklahoma's sake, you know, Savion Bird was a big get out of Duncanville, but it's been a minute. You know, since Oklahoma landed a top 50 tackle, um, a guy that can come in and, you know, maybe be an immediate impact player at that position. You know, they just they haven't had it yet. Um, you know, I mentioned Savion Bird, but even he was a project and yeah. you know he's still obviously working through things. So getting Caden Green back on campus is just massive um, for them to continue to work that relationship um, as well as Kansas City. Um, I think that, you know, I'm not going to sit here and say Oklahoma, like DFW is obviously home field and Oklahoma in the state of Oklahoma is home field for, for the staff very clearly it's going to be that way. But at the same time, we talked about this last week, Kansas city, St. Louis is there for the taking, um, for everyone. And if Oklahoma can go ahead and establish and plant their flag in Kansas city, getting a guy like Caden Green's a big start for that. Yeah, I mean, you have to. I think we talked about last time, but if I mean that Kansas City area and by proxy, you know, St. Louis area is just basically an unclaimed metro that produces talent. It's just kind of a no. They go wherever they want. Missouri itself as as the as the closest uh, big time university. And then you also you have Kansas and Kansas State, uh, which I don't know how close really they are to Kansas City. Um, just don't. Um, I think Lawrence is. 40 minutes and then Manhattan's about an yeah it's Manhattan's like an hour and a half maybe. okay well they're still, still super close bad. then but they they're just not the caliber of of university which top in talent from those metros would be going to them anyway so basically you have this little no man's land to a certain degree where you've got two large cities in that area which has no one there to, to have say, hey, this is the, the the city school to a certain degree. You know, I mean, they end up having to go to some big 10 school or go down in the Florida schools or something like that. SEC schools. Why can't that be? Why can't that be OU? I mean, it's very close. I mean, uh, Kansas City is not that far from Norman. Uh, grand scheme of things. I've made that drive from Durant. That's not too terrible. Uh, I mean, it's an all day drive. I'll tell you that right now, but it's not too terrible. Yeah. So why not? be able to plant your flag in, you know, in, in those two metros up North and then also down in the Dallas region, North Texas, where, where OU seems to be trying to make a lot of it. Hey, um, it, it seems to be just the smartest thing they've got going on right now. And honestly, I, th- I think it's smart enough to where it could just work. You know, it does, I don't even think it's a, uh, that's not me just like, you know, it's trying to sunshine anything. I think that's just a, a very smart, um, smart, smart way to go at this point in time. Yeah, no, I, I agree completely. I mean, we've talked about recruiting you and I have for what, six, seven, eight years, maybe at mm-hmm. this point. And so, I mean, Kansas city's been there. St. Louis has been there. Obviously Ronnie Perkins, Michael Thompson in the 2017 class was a big start um, for them. Um, or in the 2018 class was a big start. You know, I wish we could have seen Oklahoma continue to 
bank on those relationships that they got with a guy like Carl Reed, uh, who now works for 24 seven sports, but is clearly going to be a very important key cog in the uh, St. Greater St. Louis area. And so, um, yeah, I'm, I'm with you hundred percent. I think it's, I think it's very, very, very important. I do want to mention this. There was uh, we had a conversation last week about the city of Houston uh, and the way Oklahoma was recruiting there. They did have a guy up. And Norman from there, Jaqu- uh, reportedly Jaquay's Petaway. You want to talk about a guy that can fly? We're talking like a 10 4, 10, 500 meter runner um, from Langham Creek mm-hmm. in the uh, greater Houston area. I know he's a guy that Texas and Texas AM are very are hard after. I think this is the only guy that I've heard connected to Oklahoma from the city of Houston. Kind of wild, man. Doesn't. Like, I would love to hear the process behind that. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if there is that much of a process other than if you're in that Houston area and you just saw what AM just did. I mean, they beat Alabama. They brought in the number one class. I don't think that many schools outside the region are going to make a lot of hay um, coming after them, in my opinion. I think it looks like it look, look like it's more and more going to be, hey, everyone's kind of running second or third um, when it comes to that region with the – with AM there. I mean, and that's that may sound strange because AM, you know, who they are historically, but it does not seem like that's what's um uh, I don't know, man. It seems like they just kind of have that area locked down. It's gonna be it's gonna be some tough business to to get to a place where OU or anybody can um can pull guys out of there pretty easily. Couple more guys to talk about. Jordan, you ready? Renault mm-hmm. um was Ooh, in nice. town. Yeah, uh, it's it, he's got a D on at the end of his name, so we're not related by any means. Um, oh, no okay. long, no no long lineage. It's probably a little bit better athlete than anybody in my family as well. <laughs> uh, one of the best defensive linemen of the twenty twenty three class was back in Norman um, from Tyler Legacy, East Texas, Beast Texas. Um, there you go. What some people say. So I think you know you get a guy like that, and, and Jalen Hale, obviously from Longview. Um, Jordan Renault can go. He's a former DFW guy. I think he just moved out to Tyler, Texas, Tins Tyler legacy, big time player, a guy that can probably be a five tech defensive end. He can slide in and be a four eye three technique defensive tackle. Um, if you need him to be big, big time player, getting him back on campus is absolutely massive. Um, especially when you consider that they're after David Hicks and they're after some other elite defensive linemen, you start stacking those guys together that's how you can close the gap. Um, everybody that's listened to the Shane Beamer interview at this point, um, that's what he mentioned first when I asked him about what Oklahoma is, needs to be prepared for for the SEC. It's like there, and I, I, I haven't said this to you yet. Like I obviously have been studying uh, Ole Miss's offense from last year. Like right now, man, when I plug on Mississippi State tape, Auburn tape, LSU tape, those teams were not very good last year. But mm-hmm. my God. Like, I'm just writing names down left and right. It's just like, man, this guy looks good on the defensive line. He's like 6'4", 280 pounds, long, can run. That's nothing against the Big 12 or the Big 10 or the ACC or the Pac-12 because I've never really felt the difference has been that large until this year. Like, this year's tape is, like, completely different. Um, Every offensive line in the SEC was getting just manhandled um, up front, including Alabama and, and at times, Georgia. And so – when you can stack guys like Jordan Renault with a guy like David Hicks, uh, it could be massive. But it's uh, it was good to see. Re- Re- I hope it's Renault. I hope I'm not saying this wrong. I'm pretty sure it is um, that he was back in town and Oklahoma was continuing to 
make headway. This new staff is the old staff finally got into East Texas with Kip Lewis uh, and a couple others, but in Delaren Turiel and, and a couple other guys, but that's a uh, Smith. I, I consider that East Texas Clayton Smith is, I mean, Texas, Texarkana is about as yeah. damn far East, east as, as you can get. get. Yeah. That that's um, in the pines out there. Yeah. So that's a, that was a very bad miss by me to forget his name. Um, but it's good to see that they're, he was back on campus and Oklahoma was making some headway in East Texas. Yeah. I mean, it's just the, to kind of talk about that, that previous thing you mentioned, I think it was Kirby smart. And I can't remember the, the exact quote it was. It was earlier before they made their big run saying like, I think there was some talk of, well, is your coaching staff really performing the way they should? I mean, I mean, how can you really judge them because they have the players you have and all that type of stuff? And his answer was like, it's my job as the head coach of Georgia is to get all of those players. That is my number one job is to, is to get those players. Um, and if OU is truly making that turn, if OU is truly starting to become the, um, like recruiting is 80% of the job. Like sure. let's look at like Mike Gundy, Mike Gundy, he he's scheming and coaching. I bet he's probably got that thing broken down to like, you know, we're we're out there, we're working, we're doing stuff, and that's like most of it. We're doing these insoles and stuff. And that's most of the job up there, up there in Stillwater. But down in like Georgia and down in some of those other places, the job is to get dudes. <laughs> and then and then other than that, it's not it, it's not very much. And if you can't get guys, then it doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter what you're trying to do. Um, so I, I think that's probably where where Brent Venables, you know, bringing in turnip seed, bringing in some of these guys, bringing in all these former players to help with recruiting and things like that. Because honestly, those guys were, you know, like those soul mission guys and stuff. They're not on recruiting visits. They're not, um, you know, I don't think they can interact a ton well, with recruits and stuff like that, but you see them. They're part of it. You start, you walking out there, you see this giant support system that's around you at that point in time. You say, Hey, this is a place I can succeed because of these following reasons. And one of those reasons is because I've got, I have, you know, so many people just there to support me, to stand up with me. So that's, if OU is truly moving in that direction where it's basically recruiting, that's it. That's all. I mean, I'm feeling more and more confident that OU potentially may have been able to get out of this on the right side of things um, at the end of all this turmoil. Oh, absolutely. No, I absolutely think they can. Uh, obviously, Oklahoma had a handful of others, top 100 players. Um, mm-hmm. McCall Harrison Pilot was in town. Um, you know, a couple guys from Kansas, another couple guys from Kansas City that are top 100 players, uh, guys from Florida. But there has only been one prediction so far. I'm going to mess up this last name. Samuel Amosigo is how I'm going to say this name. Linebacker from Crandall, Texas. Um, three-star recruit right now, six foot one, 205 pounds. Hopefully he's got a lot, lot big body. He's got a long body to fill some weight into. Mm-hmm. Um, but that was the first prediction that, uh, that came in. And I think that's very interesting. We're talking about some heavy hitters right now, right? Some top 100 players, um, some players that everybody in the country's after, oh, but Brett Vittables can go ahead and get his guy at linebacker. I think, again, that just goes to show that this staff is going to evaluate guys a lot like the a lot like the last defensive staff did. I thought they evaluated players at a very, very high level. Every yeah. single guy that they would go after would end up with a handful or more um, Power 5 offers. But um, 
I, we don't know how this weekend went. I think some people thought some commitments could come. Um, obviously, that hasn't. I'm going to say go subscribe to whatever recruiting service you want to subscribe to um, if <laughs> yep. you want to get that get that information. But that prediction's out there. Um, what are your uh, What are your thoughts on that in terms of? It's not a heavy rated guy, but it seems like Brent's going to go after his guys. Yeah, I mean, you you have to have a balance of that stuff. I mean, you you have to be able to say. We've got we've got X amount because recruiting recruiting services. I, I know there there is a a you know some of these people are like well recruiting that they actually isn't that big a deal. Then they're kind of missing up. They're in the pockets of these conferences and all that kind of stuff. And I, and I get some of that thinking. I mean, I, I truly do because it's like well, it's some of it's such a such a crapshoot. You don't know how these guys are going to get bigger, how they're going to go faster, and all that kind of stuff. Um, but if OU is able to pull in just enough of those guys and the rest of them they go and get their quote unquote guys. I'm going to lean, I'm going to lean more towards the OU side of things, to be honest with you over some of this stuff. So yeah, if this dude, I mean, uh, Samuel, whew, that, that looks almost, looks, that almost looks Cherokee to a certain degree. OC Osayo, uh, uh, oh, I uh, can, who knows how to say it. I don't think there's a correct way of saying it at this point. <laughs> um, but no, I mean, it's, yeah, he's at 97% there. But yeah, I mean, your physical limit, 6'1", 200. I don't know what that's going to be. You said they're looking at him as linebacker, question mark? Mm-hmm. Very much. Yeah, that's. I believe he is a defensive offer. Well, I mean, yeah. You got to trust him at that point in time. Like, what are they bringing in? Why are they bringing in? What are they going to do with it? Um, that's not really for us to sit there and break down and, and try to – and try to figure that out, but you have to be able to bring your guys in. So kind of like a tweet that you sent out earlier, Baylor would get track stars and turn them into football players. If Brent's able to do that to a certain degree of, with his um, his outside offers and an X amount of percentage of those guys hit, oh, I mean, OU's going to be sitting where they need to be sitting, to be honest with you, at the end of the day. I agree completely. Uh, they're off to a good start. Two more weeks, I believe two more weekends. March 19th weekend is going to be a recruiting another big visit weekend, and they're setting up more for uh, Peyton mentioned uh, July dates, or maybe also commitments for Peyton Kirkland um, oh, yeah. and, Derek, yeah. and Derek LeBlanc. Um, but obviously a couple more weeks until they will be uh, having and hosting more players. So we'll talk about that when that time comes. The NFL Combine. As Peyton mentioned, 11 Oklahoma players were up in town. Gabe Burkich with an elite mustache, probably the best mustache, best facial hair up in Indianapolis. I did not even see how he did this morning um, during the special team side of things. So we'll focus on the 10 guys that did, went through testing, um, went through the interview process, took some questions from the media. Um, we did. We had a little bit of inside nuggets on some, how some of these guys would do. But at the same time, I do want to mention first, it's good to see everybody tested. Um, I was really, really concerned. There was a lot of talk uh, specifically about Isaiah Thomas and Brian Osamoa that they were going to opt out of doing any testing in Indianapolis whenever the bubble conversation was going on. I had no clue if that was going to carry over once the bubble was taken away. But it was good to see everybody was on the field, everybody tested um, to a certain extent. But not everybody did agility, um, three cone, shuttle, um, stuff like that. So these pro days are going to be super, super important, Peyton, um, for that to kind of get those final numbers in there. We'll see if, you know, 
Like, I don't know if Nick Benito will – I don't think he needs to run an, uh, run another 40. I don't know if Isaiah Thomas needs to run another 40. 4-7 at 266 is super impressive. Um, Perry on Winfrey, don't know if he needs to run another 40, even though he pulled his hammy at the end. So we'll see what kind of – what these guys, you know, decide to do with their pro days, which, you know, metrics or which tests that they want to go through. But I just want to reiterate, reiterate again. I'm glad it wasn't the Oklahoma guys that opted out of testing because there was, there were guys that did like, like a a guy like Malik Willis while watching guys that he's competing against like Desmond Ritter and others, you know, guys that opt out of testing. So um, it was good to see that everybody, everybody did that. Um, Do you have any comments before we kind of move on to how guys did? Well, I think it, I mean, I understand where you're coming from. It's, it's cool to see, Oh, you guys go through it and, and not opt out of some of that stuff, but the OU guys had to, I mean, they're, they're, they're not the Georgia guys. I mean, while you did send 11 guys to the combine, and, and I want to ask you that question. I mean, was there any buzz just about the amount of players OU was able to send to the combine with potentially how their year ended and everything? Or because I do know some of these NFL guys don't even pay attention. I remember when the, when the Steelers drafted Landry Jones, they were like, yeah, we got a great Big Ten quarterback. He had put up a lot of yards in that con. I mean, these, these guys don't know a damn thing about college football to a large degree because, uh, honestly, it's almost a different sport. <laughs> um, I mean, but was there any buzz, anything about OU sending that amount of guys up there? I mean, they're just uh, a couple behind Georgia and Alabama. Well, I would say this. I think the main conversation was that I had is why are people freaking out about OU going 11 and two, which again, I think that speaks. True. I think that speaks to the idea of people just don't understand university of Oklahoma's expectations. The conversation, the bigger conversation was about Arizona state having eight and underperforming the way that yes. they underperformed. Yeah. Um, <laughs> there was a lot of really, really good Arizona state guys in town. Yeah, I think the big thing there, if you, if someone were to say that to me and they were to say, man, why are you guys freaking out about 11 and 2? I'd say, well, you obviously didn't watch those football games. I mean, there sure. are seven plays away from seven and five. You know, I mean, if things go just slightly different, uh, we're, we're talking about we're talking about things much differently about OU and Lincoln Riley. I mean, honestly, if Lincoln Riley had gone off USC at an eight and four, <laughs> I, I don't think we have this national discourse the, the way that we're having it. I don't think we're having this like, oh no, everyone says Lincoln OU's better off. It's like, well, if you really look at it, if you really, really look at it, they had a chance to be pretty bad. <laughs> and and they, they kind of squeaked through on talent alone. But to the original point, I mean, oh, you guys, they, they have to go out there and prove stuff. They have to go out there and prove that they have the ability to play. There obviously is a uh, SEC bias in a lot of these recruiting stuff, I'm not recruiting stuff, drafting stuff and combine stuff. Um, and you have a chance to, to wow some people. I mean, you mentioned the name uh, Malik Willis. I think we've mentioned him multiple times now. He did really well. I mean, he some of the, the, the I mean, he had like a, a trending tweet about one of his throws that everyone's like, oh, wow, look how amazing that is. Well, at the same time, I think he only averaged like under six yards uh, for adjusted yard per uh, pass per attempt. So who is he? Is he the dude who can wow you if it's a great deep ball, or is he a guy who can barely get the ball six yards uh, per attempt uh, during a game? You know what I'm saying? It's like, who is this guy truly at, the, at that point in time? Um, but if you have a chance and you and you can prove yourself, prove, quote unquote, prove yourself to be a different person than your tape says, then you have to take it. And oh, you guys had to do that when it comes to uh, to what was put on tape this year. 
we will be team. Do not draft a quarterback in this year's class. Um, and on this podcast, I can tell yeah. you that at least from one side of us, um, maybe the Caleb Ellaby kid from Western Michigan is going to have a chance and, uh, you may get to enjoy him, uh, in your great Denver Broncos in a great Denver Broncos uniform. So get to know, uh, get to know Caleb Ellaby just a little bit, but Checking it was, uh, <laughs> but it was, I think, uh, I think it was a successful weekend for Oklahoma. I think Daniel Jeremiah hit the nail on the head. Georgia won a national championship and they may have just won the first combine championship. I I'm telling you it from whenever, I mean, you were around, um, we had conversations about Georgia at last off season. And I'm just was like, guys, I have never seen guys move like this before on this defense. Like, oh, yeah. you know, I was, I, I was like, you know, Nicobe Dean, um, even Lewis sign. Like there's people that were like, yeah, I don't think he's as good as what you're saying. And I'm like, are you sure? Like, are you thousand percent sure? Like people are trying to tell me, you know, Jordan Davis wasn't as good as he was like that. I'm like, man, I'm seeing like 13 dudes that could play at any power five in the country and start including Alabama. Like they were, that's how good Georgia's defense was. So um, I think that's true, but I do think Oklahoma's guys did, Live up to the bar, live up to the uh, expectation a little bit. So let's start. Let's start at the negatives and let's finish with the positives here. Okay. All right. So the first, let's go with the first negative. Jeremiah Hall. Again, that, it's an ancillary position. It's not like he has to be some sort of like athletic. You know, he's not put into like he doesn't have to be this guy. He's not. He doesn't have to fit into a like a, a specific size glove. Like I, that was a horrible way of explaining that, but yeah, like yeah, the glove, just because the he doesn't tested fit, bad, he must have quit. Um, exactly, and so um, shows up at six foot one and a half, weighed in at two forty. He only benched nineteen reps at two twenty five. He vertical <laughs> jumped twenty nine inches, broad jumped nine, ran a four nine six forty, four six two shuttle seven four three cone. Not good. Um, the worst performing Oklahoma player up in Indianapolis. But again, he's a fullback. And I don't know mm-hmm. if this is like labeled under as a tight end. And I need to check this. Now it is as a fullback. Um, this, the raw, I look at before we dive too much deeper, I should mention that I'm, this is coming from raw athletic score, um, relative athletic score.com. This it's one of the best draft tools out there. Go check it out. And if you love it, go donate to Kent. Platt stuff. That's it's incredible. Um, essentially it just measures every guy that's ever tested at the combine at that position against each other. Um, Jeremiah Hall got a 1.53 um out of 10 scale. So um came in as the worst of the Oklahoma guys. Any uh, any comments on Jeremiah? It's just awesome. I, I mentioned this before, but it is a um Man, it's it's hard to put another way than this. That's not what the NFL uses. If you are a gadget type player, in which that's what Jeremiah Hall would be, because they just don't play those type of positions. Um, you, you know, in the NFL, he, he you have to be one thing, and you have to be just unbelievably good at blocking if you're gonna be a fullback and you have to be a hard-nosed guy. That's why I mean that's why Rutkowski is still the um probably the best rated um um 
fullback out of OU in the last few years. I'm not few years. I mean, 15 years now. And, he, you know, stuck on the Grand Packers. You have to have someone in there who's going to be hard-nosed and can run his head into a defensive tackle that's coming through the hole. And I'm just not sure if that's Jeremiah Hall's gig. And to me, it's more he's out there space blocking. He's, he's combo blocking somebody. And he's potentially giving you maybe some plus on, on the outside um, for some offensive uh, stuff. But the NFL has guys like that. And those guys are called Debo Samuel. So, <laughs> you know, it's a different beast when you go from a big 12 to the NFL. And I hope he gets a shot. I hope he gets a shot, you know, some free, uh, I mean, some undrafted, uh, uh, you know, camps and stuff like that. And he gets to plead his case, you know, one-on-one to coaches and they can see him in, in that camp setting. But he was never going to um, going to perform well and at that level. Yeah, and again, I, you know, best of luck uh, to him throughout the rest of this process, but probably destined for an undrafted free agent tab, especially with some of the drops he was having down in Mobile. Um, Jeremiah Hall, all-time good dude. He's gonna, mm-hmm. he's gonna be, a, he's gonna be a much better person in life than I ever will be, and I know that. So, um, let's go next, Tyrese Robinson. No surprise. Um, that it was as poor, it went as poorly as this. Um, showed up at six, two and a half, 317 pounds, which was pretty good. Vertically jumped 22 and a half inches, broad jumped eight feet. Uh, that's it. He also ran a five to five forty, which isn't bad at his size with the one eight five ten yard split. And then here's where the poor numbers come in. He got a four nine four shuttle and an eight three five three cone. So what that means is that as a guy that's projected out to guard Peyton, you would have liked to see those agility, the side to side lateral movement stuff be a lot better than what it was. Mm-hmm. Um, but that is uh that's probably gonna, you know, his evaluation coming out of this year, Peyton was probably a four through seven round guy, maybe at the back into that and that you know the combine did nothing but confirm um those results so let's uh let's focus on the other offensive lineman that was in town before we talk about him marquise hayes six four and a half 318 pounds had one had some of the longest arms of the entire offensive line group that was there okay nice which was very interesting um five three forty which wasn't bad one eight three ten yard split not bad Vertically jumped 23 and a half inches. That wasn't good. Broad jumped eight feet. Um, got an average athletic rate, which again, going to repeat what I just said about Tyrese Robinson, probably more confirmed what his tape showed um, about his athleticism. And probably, you know, I think there's, he's got more wide ranging grades than most. Um I don't know if he's going to go top 100. I know he has some top 100 grades by some teams, but I would say probably err on the side of caution there, more than likely a fourth, fifth round guy. So any thoughts on Tyrese and Marquise? Uh, anyone who played on the Oklahoma offensive line for the 21 season, I just don't, I, I, I can't get excited about in any way, shape or form. I mean, n- no one showed up to me at a, at a consistent level that made me think anyone was actually draftable. Um, so I'm pleasantly surprised. OU seems to maybe have two dudes who can go in those later rounds. Um, but other than that, it's hard for me to get excited about it. It's hard for me. I'm, I remember when Orlando Orlando Brown was being in, going through the draft process and people are losing their minds about benching, you know, 225, you know, one time or some bullshit like that. 
but I remember being being more like, you've got to watch this dude. It, it's not lining up the way it needs to physically. You just need to watch this dude. And you really can't do that with these two consistently. You know, I mean, you really can't, in my opinion, you can't see just a bunch of like here, like watch every single game. You're going to see 80% of the time they're doing what they're supposed to be doing um, every, you know, most of So it, it, it's just hard for me to really want to, grab a banner and ride to the ride to their aid to a certain degree. There was a, I will say the common belief of those two guys that they are a lot better than what we give them credit for. Um, I will say I'm not glad that the, you know, the, the testing kind of backs up what we've talked about on this podcast. And I think a lot of Oklahoma people have talked about, um, but yes, uh, I think that there's maybe a, there's a gap between what all the Oklahoma people watched for three years. And I think kind of what the NFL evaluated and we'll see, you know, who comes on, who, who, who ends up winning um, in that battle. Kennedy Brooks, four, five, nine, 40, one, six, one, 10 yard split, which also wasn't bad. Vertically jumped 31 inches, broad jump 10 feet though. That's a big number for him. Yeah. Um, pretty, pretty good explosiveness from his end. Five foot, ten and a half, two hundred and nine pounds. You ready? His relative athletic score, perf- almost perfectly average. Got like a five point oh six out of ten. I mean, I don't know, man. Like that. I mean that 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 adds up with what we know. Yeah. But my God, he's gonna go get six, five, six yards of carry in the NFL. Probably not that many, but. Um, I've heard some interesting grades on him, though. I know some teams have some fourth-round, fifth-round grades on him. I also mm-hmm. know some teams have some undrafted grades on him, which shouldn't surprise anybody. I think a lot of people probably would feel the undrafted side. Um, but he's going to get drafted um, come April, and I don't think the testing is going to hurt him at all. I think it just confirms kind of what everybody believes about Kennedy Brooks. And like I said, it is basically amazing that he's like, perfectly average athletically <laughs> but my god he just gets yards after yards after yards after yards yeah i mean that four five nine that's not the player who, who he is in my opinion his second run the four six six i think that's more of who he is football speed and also i mean that's almost a tenth of a difference a tenth of a second a difference from the first to second you don't really see that wide of a of a different uh, of a different run uh, to be honest with you, usually they're a little bit tighter, closer, because you kind of are who you are when you're running the game. Uh, unless you got maybe, unless you just got like a, a bad get off on the second on the second run. Uh, but I believe he's more of that four six six in my opinion. Um, just watching him for four, you know, for four years or whatever, uh, he just doesn't seem to be that explosive dude. And now the NFL is like rotating the stuff, and how the NFL is trending for running backs. If you're not a freak athlete, just a complete freak. Why bother? Like they could pick you up off the street to a certain degree. I mean, I, I know that's that's a certain mindset when it comes to some of these guys. Um, but yeah, if you can if you can walk one of these dudes down for um, in the sixth round or something like that, why not? But if you're if you're picking up Kenny Brooks in the fourth round, fifth round, I just don't know if I'd be happy about that. I mean, Kenny Brooks, a great dude, great OU player, carried the load many a time when he didn't have to, but. Um, I, I don't know if I would be pleased if, let's say, the different Broncos picked him up in the fourth round or something like that. 
um, that would be something I would I'd start scratching my head thinking, I think you could have got somebody like him a hundred picks later, uh, to be honest with you. Yeah. Or even an undrafted guy. I mean, the running back class this yeah. year is really, really deep. So like, I think a lot of people are, Oh, there's not a like top level talent running backs in this draft class, but I can tell you, I can name a handful, um, that I would take and just be like, yep, he's going to play in the NFL for 10 years. He's going to be on five. He's going to be on five different teams. He's going to be on five different teams. He's going to get a bunch of carries. And when his number's called, he's going to do really, really well. Two guys, I think, with the most to gain, um, which we mentioned on our Patreon page. Um, Two guys with the most to gain this week, DeLaren Turniel and Mike Woods. Uh, DeLaren Turniel tested today. Four, five, or four, four, seven, 40. 157 split. He broad jumped 10 feet. Again, that's a very, very good number. Mm-hmm. Um, but as I expected, he showed up a lot smaller than what a lot of people expected. 510, uh, but a buck 97. He was up about yeah. seven, um, eight, seven, eight pounds. So good for him. Um, but he didn't do any of the other agility. He also didn't do a vertical. And so we'll see what those numbers come out at his. Pro day. Mike Woods, I believe, was listed at 6'2, even maybe 6'3 on his Arkansas roster. Um, six foot one Peyton, 200 pounds, ran a four five five, which I think is a good number for him. Like, I don't think mm-hmm. he needs to be a burner because he's he's so physical. Um, 34 and a half inch vertical, and then jumped 10 and at 10 feet, I believe five eighths inches, which again, really, really good number the nfl is going to view mike woods i've mentioned this multiple times the nfl is going to view mike woods a lot better than what i think his production showed and that's because everybody's got access to the all 22 tape everybody can see that he got open a lot that he blocked well which i think was his biggest knock uh coming to oklahoma which again i know that's such a very little thing very 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 little thing um but i think that shows more about your commitment i think it shows about how hard do you want to work for your teammates and stuff like that? And so he cleaned up a lot of those things. He bought into Oklahoma. Um, and I thought he had a very good year. What, what are your expectations for DeLaren Turner yell at the NFL? I think he's just too small. I mean, to be honest with you, the play, uh, especially that strong safety side of things. Um, I just don't know where he ends up. I mean, he's got, I mean, obviously he has the physicality, via speed and agility, I mean, uh, and explosiveness. He has that stuff. He proved that stuff. Yeah, yeah I know he's, he didn't jump, uh, but, you know, he's 40 time and he's 16-yard split time. And he's someone you could put out there and say cover some ground. But the thing is, does he have the ability to absorb a playbook? Does he have the ability to absorb uh, some of that stuff? Grinch had him in some um, no man lands position at times uh, on the defenses, especially the LSU game. We all give we all give hell to, for Justin Broyles for just getting picked on, but man, if you saw any one of that RPO stuff, it was basically watch what Yale does and then abuse him over and over and over again. And he was kind of put in a spot to where there's nothing he could do about it. He had to he had to do one or the other thing. Um, but it's sometimes hard to pass up that speed. But if you were there. If you saw those guys running the, uh, running over the weekend, there are a lot of really fast secondary guys <laughs> who are also bigger, uh, you know, weight and height. So maybe just due to the relative amount of talent that's in front of them, you know, maybe he's one of the guys at OU who, you know, if you flip it the other way, gets a blessing of figuring out where he wants to try to go 
for some uh, free agent camps and stuff. Let's talk about the really good. There was a bunch of really good things for Oklahoma at the combine. Perrion Winfrey showed up at six, three and a half. That 303 number he showed up in Mobile, Payton, was a farce. It was a lie. No, I'm kidding. He probably <laughs> measured in. It was true. But he showed up at the combine at 290. He's going to need to get back up to 300 pounds um, plus if he's going to want to hold up in the NFL. He pulls his hammy at the very end of his first 40. But, man, his first 40 was good. Um, I'm glad that happened. Um, I was just kind of going reading through the Patreon when you were just talking about my post. Um, I did miss Nick Benito's 40 and hit how good that was going to be. But everything else was pretty good. So I'm uh, I'm glad and I'm happy that came out the way it did. Um, Perrion Winfrey's straight line speed was going to be really, really good. He runs a 4.89. That is booking it um, at mm-hmm. that size. 4.8940. Um, even pulling up at the end probably was run around a 4.85, maybe 4.8 flat. 10-yard split, 168. His get off is, we all know it's really, really good. Um, I mentioned this a second ago. Perrion's going to be a guy that, He's going to need a team to fall in love with him to probably get into that second round talk. Um, and if not, probably going to be destined for the third round. Um, that positional fit's going to be really interesting. Everybody knows he's a three technique. You just haven't seen a ton of it in his tape. Mm-hmm. Um, and as well as there's eight games of kind of average tape, and then there's three games, four games of just electric. <laughs> and so we'll see how that's all viewed. Um, but a very good, I think, showing for Perry on Winfrey that he is just a freak. He is a he is as freaky as it gets as an athlete. Babe. Yeah, I mean, he, he did he did acquit himself pretty well. Now, I think the thing that does him some disservice, like at, at the Senior Bowl, correct? He's at the Senior Bowl, right? Yeah. So at the Senior Bowl, he's able to shine and do some stuff because of the. Um, the amount of talent that was there and then the type of guys he had the chance to be uh, compared against to, he comes out and he shines, he wins the MVP, uh, potentially, I guess, guys trophy stolen. Um, uh, if, if you saw that story, um, so I guess somebody broke into a car or something like that. And so his trophy and his helmets and jerseys and stuff. Um, but then you put him in the combine and all of a sudden everyone you know, you know what name I did not hear on Twitter was Perrion Winfrey. You know why? Because Jordan Davis was running. Because all those Georgia <laughs> guys were running. And that's all that that's all that mattered. Because they all ran faster and they're all bigger. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I mean, I think Georgia had like two, maybe three linemen that ran faster than he did, um, all being the two of them were larger, I think. I mean, it's just it's just kind of wild, just the amount of of athletic freaks that you have to go against when it comes to the quote unquote, the show, you know, to a certain degree, Um, the pool keeps getting larger and larger as you keep going up. And I I think that's the only thing that's going to hurt. Perry on is when, Oh, you saw him, when we saw him playing big 12 games, we saw him make moves. You're thinking, man, this dude is a dude. You saw him at the senior bowl. It's like, Oh wow. This guy's a guy. Do you put him in the combine where there's some other actual freaks, like just genetic outliers uh, among the human race population? And he doesn't quite look as freakish by comparison. It's just because you're being compared against the 1%. And the thing is, he might be the top 2%. He just got to stand next to a couple of one percenters, uh, which kind of potentially reframes it and does make me think the idea of like a third round or something like that is much more in line with what he is. Because I know after the senior bowl, there's a lot of talk. There's there's a lot of people being like, is he a first rounder now? I mean, is he going to do this stuff? Look how he's performing. And 
I understand it. I mean, I, if, if you guys are, if you guys are Patreon supporters for us or Patreon supporters for red dirt, you know, there's people in his discord who were like, Peyton, uh, you're an idiot. You know, you're talking about he's, he's a three tech he's playing. He's being played as a one tech. And I was like, so you're telling me a first round defensive tackle in the NFL was completely negated because he played a one tech in the big 12. That wouldn't happen. You put Jordan Davis on the roster and put him, in, put him in a wrong position. I bet he's going to perform pretty damn well. I don't think he's going to disappear for 60% of the snaps. You know what I'm saying? I mean, so that's just a difference of who the actual look at the guys at West Virginia versus Sorry to butt in here. Like, no, no, look at the guys right, at West Virginia. In. Yeah, Jordan Jefferson. I mean, look at those guys at West Virginia. They just wrecked havoc the entire year. Yeah. And they're they're playing a three-man front, like legit three-man front. And the rest of their defense, the secondary was terrible. The whole that offense was awful. But that defensive line, those guys along the same lines, like, yeah, like, and I think that people like Look at that. It's like, oh, you're just looking to be critical of Perion. It's like, yeah. look at the scheme and this and that. It's like, no, the guy we're about to talk about got hurt by the scheme way worse yes. than anybody on this defense. Um, and so, like, I think people are a lot of focus on Perion because he's been active. He's mm-hmm. been um, – Oh, he's been a superstar he, for this whole Yeah, stuff. he's been – yeah, I mean, he's been endearing himself to the fan base. Like, I think that there, there's a lot of that to it. Um, so, I, I think that that's probably where – where that comes from, but and at yeah, no point I think time is like a low or high or how you say it, second round pick or you know low slash high third round pick. At no point in time is that a discredit or an insult to uh, somebody going to the NFL. <laughs> if, if if you think me saying Perrin Winfrey is a late second round slash mid third round guy as an insult, then go outside and touch grass at that point in time. I mean, this is I mean he he still would be part. He still would be you know within the top 50, top 75 picks uh, in a draft. And that would be amazing for him. Completely amazing for him. Life-changing. Yeah, for sure. And I, again, I, like I said, I think it's going to be one of those things. He's going to need someone to fall in love with him to sneak into those top 64 picks um, in the draft. That could happen. I mean, there could Mm -hmm. be a team out there that runs a four-man front um, that's going to use him as a three tech that he's going to have to, he's going to get a lot of one-on-ones. And so that could happen. Um, San Francisco, I mean, I'm, I'm just thinking San Francisco, I don't know if they need a defensive tackle, um, but they're one of the four-man you know, four man fronts in the NFL that's kind of remaining. Um, so he, I think he's going to be scheme dependent. I also think he's going to be um, organization dependent. <laughs> be careful with what I say here. So like I said, let's talk about the, the last final three guys that had a really, really good combine. Um, Brian Osamo first. Did show okay. up six foot, 226 pounds, way undersized for a linebacker. Um, but he hits in the four fives with a four five six forty, a one six ten yard split. Broad jumped 10 feet, four, um, 10, 10 and four eights. So 10, about 10 and a half. And then he uh, vertically jumped 36 and a half, all everything besides his, his height and weight. It's really, really good. Um, I think this is a guy that's, that's basically pegged for the third round. Um, again, another guy that a team could fall that fall in love with us athleticism. Like Brian Osamoa is the perfect example of a guy, Peyton, that I'm going to use a baseball analogy here, um, dear and dear to my heart right now. Um, he's like that pitcher that throws 95 in high school that has no idea where the ball's going. And a pitching coach out there at a D1 program is always going to be like, oh, yes, I can fix him. Like, Braun Osamo is going to have a guy, a scout or a, a linebacker's coach, whatever it be, that's going to think that. 
because a lot like Perrion Winfrey, we've talked about this with both of them. Um, Brian Osamoa struggled fitting split zone at times. He got lost mm-hmm. in the eye. Can- he got, he took some of that eye candy. He had some of those same problems that Kenneth Murray had. And now Kenneth Murray um, is already kind of getting labeled as a bust by some people in the NFL. So um, it's a concern. Um, we'll see how much of a concern it is come draft time. But again, a guy that I think we are all aware of his athletic prowess didn't do any agility drills. He's going to blow those up at his pro day, um, make his relative athletic score be good. Um, but kind of on the first run of Oklahoma guys, he got an 8.42 relative athletic score at 10. Um, really, really good number for Brian Osamoa. Uh, best of luck to him. So Brian Osamoa, he, he came at six, six foot two, 26, right? Correct. I mean, is there any chance I'm just looking at, uh, you know, comparables via, um, uh, body size and stuff like that with sure. the arms and everything. Is there any chance? I mean, hand size are almost the same. Arm size about the same height. He's he's ten pounds lower than this guy, but this is his NFL weight. NFL weight. Is there any chance he could just be a discount Jordan Brooks type of a guy? Yeah, I think, and I, I, I Kyle Fuller. I think that's how you say his name. I think the I don't know where he plays at, but he's kind of the same thing where. He's like a four-three will, but they'll use him as a safety sometimes. They'll use him as a nickel sometimes. He'll play in the box sometimes. They'll blitz him. Um, I think he's going to be kind of a, a not a gadget linebacker. He could be on the field every down. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, the Kyle Duggar, Kyle Fuller, Kyle Fuller may be the wide receiver. Could be Duggar. Anyways, um, I think that's his comp from a lot of people. And um, yeah, you know, it's one of those things where too, like you also can't discount. You know, maybe Brian Osamoa does get better. Maybe he sees things better coming at him as a run defender um, at the NFL level. Like those are those are things that can happen. If that does happen, he's going to play in the NFL for a long, long, long time. Um, but at the same time, you know, I think that those concerns are very valid um, that are there. And you know, we'll see how the NFL evaluates that. Um, you know, I kind of have my own thoughts and opinions. Yeah. And what would you say was his ten yard split was? One Osamoa's- six. One six. So uh, again, this is not a this is not a, a, a put down. It's not. It's not a. It's just you, you're starting. Getting, you're starting to get yourself put against at, true athletic freaks from the top. Because I remember during. Um, again, I remember these days. I remember. Sure. I remember when people were tweeting from Mobile, um, and there there's this one guy who's like Brian Samoa. He looks like a four four guy. He looks like a dude who could probably work himself into the first round. Now it's like what what is what is wrong with you people? Which makes me just want to take and, and no offense, <laughs> NFL draft Twitter and just mute it. <laughs> just like you, none of you know what you're talking about in any way. Or sure. join it, or you join it, you, or join it. Just go just to say Mobile, get just with say the whatever site, you want. Go down there, and get credit. Yeah, like yeah, yeah first round guy, check him out. Look at that, big time. Uh, but it's crazy. Like, it's uh, crazy. But I was going to say that it's like you look at Aiden Hutchinson um, at a much larger size, ten yard split one one six two. I mean. It, it you start running it and you can sit there and go, Oh wow, awesome. Oh, one six at 10 yards. That's a mate that is elite. And then you see a guy of 50 extra pounds, you know, five more inches doing the exact same thing. Then you look and go, Oh wow, wow. Yeah, you've got to I mean, count for just, like that. You've got to count for like leg length and all that stuff there. But yeah, True, to yeah, your point, 100%, absolutely. yeah, yeah. You start absolutely. seeing you start seeing true freaks. Like Ryan Osmo was freak, and that's something I hope. To kind of turn it more towards Oklahoma, Oklahoma needs more guys who are on that true freak level 
other than like he's the most athletic guy on the OU roster. Because <laughs> sure. you know they start kind of getting knocked down the peg. That's why I always say you see an OU player unless he's like a a CD Lamb, add another round or two. I mean, it's, I mean, we all thought there's for his talk for a long time. Like, oh, uh, uh, Creed Humphrey for sure, first round draft pick for sure. Put all put the mortgage on it, and turned out what was he second round? I, yeah, maybe even third. I think Creed maybe. may have gone the third to – I'm looking up right and now. He's, and he's playing really well right now in the NFL. He's doing good. Maybe one of the – maybe he may be a top five offensive lineman in the NFL yeah. right now. It, he but, was round two, pick 63. Round so two, almost the third round. Almost third round. But it tells you it's just like these guys, these OU dudes, you put them up there, they're not going at a lot of time. At this point in time, maybe that changes, you know, with this some, some OU's recruiting strategy – you're not you're not going to get a lot of these super top 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 high end high high end athletic freaks that the OU roster has been putting out. The two prime jewels mm-hmm. of the Oklahoma Combine class. Let's start with Isaiah Thomas. Isaiah Thomas um, was a little disappointed that he still showed up at two sixty six. Peyton he played at two seventy five at OU. Mm-hmm. Um, I would love to hear again the process behind dropping his weight. Like, I thought that he may show up and try to test with, like, the linebackers or something um, yeah. after seeing that, right? And so, but again, blazing fast 40 at his size. 4'7". Oh, yeah. Is, inc- is incredible. Um, I mentioned I would say this on here. Um, for RPM data, the, you know, football analytics company that I own and operate, um, Isaiah Thomas was our first recommendation. It was my first phone call. Um, and after hearing his testing numbers, uh, I'm glad to see that those were backed up and validated as well as what you watch on tape um, validates everything. Isaiah Thomas, really, really good score. Eight, nine, one relative athletic score out of 10. Six foot five, 266, four, seven, 40. 20 yard split is where this one comes key. Two, seven, four. He had a one, six, seven, 10 yard split. He only vertically jumped 31 and a half. I, I think he'll do better than that at his pro day. I bet he gets in the 34, 35 range. I don't know what happened. Um, as well as I expect him to broad jump a little bit better at his pro day too. Um, but as a defensive end, really, really good numbers. And so this is a guy that I think is very certain to go round three, round four. Um, mm-hmm. His positional versatility, people love. I know. I think everybody understood that and why, like, it was so important. Not important that it was so crazy that he was getting as much pressure and penetration as a tackle as he was an end, um, which is just you don't see that in these yeah. days much at all anymore. Um, and then you just add in his length and some of the longest arms um, amongst anybody there at the combine, and so he's uh, he's going to play in the NFL for a long, long time. He, he's a tape grinder. He loves watching film. Uh, I remember you go to the Iowa State game this last year. You know, Oklahoma's getting just murdered with that split zone read. Kansas did it. Peyton Baylor did it. Getting gashing Oklahoma. He just started freestyling it on his own, like not doing his responsibility and said, all right, I'm just going to take the quarterback in the Iowa State game and uh, got Brock Purdy for two tackles for loss when Iowa State tried it. And I think that just goes to show he's very smart, cerebral player, Um I'm excited to see what his NFL career looks like. And he had an absolutely fantastic combine. He interviews well. There's not a single scout, not a single team that I talked to that said a negative word about Isaiah Thomas. And my favorite story 
that I I'm, I will love I can't I love that I get to share this on this podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, so he was asked in some of these meetings. He's obviously asked about that that arrest he had the DW DWI mm-hmm. and as well mm-hmm. as the you know charge that was out and like. I'm sure his agent, obviously these agents are lawyers. Most of them are. And they like, they trained him to where like he would get emotional at the beginning of those when, when teams would ask about it. Um, and so like he would get like emotional and then teams would be like, dude, it's a DWI. And it's like, you took a, you took a case of water from Walmart. Like we don't care. Um, like you're too good of a dude. Like we don't care. We've heard nothing but positive things about you, but like, Isaiah would get emotional when people would ask him about it. And so um, just a great dude, hell of an athlete, hell of a football player. As much fun as I have talking about someone um, to NFL scouts that I have over the last month, last six months um, has been Isaiah Thomas. And uh, again, as for my first recommendation, I'm happy he performed the way he did the combine. Yeah. I mean, the only thing I can add was, if his, if his team ran him smart and they saw the guys he was going to be running against, there probably was a, a concerned effort to trim him down to get him faster. Um, and then he'd be playing at that 275, 280. And, and, you know, and when the, when the snaps actually count, but get, get some, get some speed on tape. That, that, that would have been my, my, my suggestion. If I had, or if I was someone in his orbit uh, trying to get all that stuff figured out. <laughs> I took off talking about OU basketball, took about off OU baseball. This has been a really, really good podcast, and we'll finish it up with, as I mentioned a second or about five, ten minutes ago, the guy that was hurt by this scheme more than anybody in the, for Oklahoma. Like if Nick Benito came out and started saying shit about this, of the Oklahoma defense <laughs> under Grinch, he earned it. He deserved yeah. it. Um, like he was basically asked to sacrifice his body at 240 pounds, stunting and slanting inside. And that's just yep. not conducive and not how Nick Benito should be used. And I think, again, I, I put this out on Twitter. I don't understand it. He's the only Oklahoma guy that like I'm out there right now that mm-hmm. I'm just like you at the NFL draft, Twitter evaluators, what the hell are you guys doing? Um, it doesn't make any sense to me. And my God, Peyton, did he just blow up this combine six foot three, 248 pounds. I was wrong about how his 40 would go. He runs a four, he adds 10 pounds on after the season and go runs a four, five, four, 40. Um, he has a one, five, nine, 10 yard split. He vertically jumps 35 and a half broad jumps, 10 feet. He did do agility drills in Indianapolis. He goes with a four, two, three shuttle and a 707 three cone, which is okay. Um, but the shuttle is really, really good, which is just five, 10, five, um, man, I don't know. He tests well as a linebacker. He's an elite linebacker. He's elite defensive end. I don't know where he's going to fit. I don't know if he's a three, four outside linebacker, Peyton. I don't know if he's a Von Miller type, right? Where he can be a two, get in a two point stance on a four man front in the NFL, like he did at Oklahoma. I don't know, but man, I'm glad that he went out there and performed because there has been some negative buzz about his play last year. He had the highest pressure rate in college football. And he didn't even rush the quarterback on every play. <laughs> Drives me nuts. Yeah, it's a little weird. I mean, it's kind of it's kind of strange to see that. I'm happy that he's been able to, you know, get his stuff figured out because I mean that obviously was something he needed to work on and needed to show out. He needed to be he needed to put something on tape to say, hey. Um, I'm not that guy that you saw, 
I was a different guy, but I mean, if, if you just look at, I'm on, I'm on NFL.com. I'm looking at the combine stuff and they have a thing called next gen stats. Mm-hmm. Now I had Brees Hall pulled up cause I wanted to talk about him, but we, we, we were rapidly running out of time, but Brees got 99 overall elite elite of the elite. I don't think you can get a 100 99. Uh, Nick needle has a 59 and that rates is below average. So there seems to be a wild swing of just who this guy is uh, when it comes to all this stuff, who like, who actually, um, you know, is he good enough to play here? Is he good enough to, I I think the size honestly is the thing that's going to be the only limiter. Where does he play? Is he an edge? Cause like you said, he athletically, he on the on the raw on the raw athletic uh, score or whatever he mm-hmm. did pretty well, but except on the size part for the for defensive end, obviously way undersized, and then he performs much better at linebacker. But does he have enough skill set to play at linebacker? I know you said his uh, what was that the the three cone. Does he have that side to side agility to kind of play in that linebacker and kind of move it around? You know, I, I think he's somewhat scheme dependent and needs someone who's going to say, hey, we're OK with a quote unquote undersized edge. Um, your job is to go beat that dude, beat that um, whatever I'm trying to say off the edge and and take care of that uh, and, and go get the quarterback. If he runs into a guy like that, they run to a team like that. I think he's set. If he doesn't, th- then he may be he may be in some issues there. He's going to take a scheme fit, but I think he could be a second round guy at that. If if there's someone who's there who needs that type of player. Yeah. I think you're looking at third round probably for most of these OU guys, unless mm-hmm. someone falls in love with them. Um, Nick Benito probably has the highest room to grow. Cause I think some people question. I certainly did. I'm not going to lie on our Patreon page. I was like, Hey, be cautious on his 40. I don't know if he's got mm-hmm. like long-term speed, uh, but I was, I was wrong, wrong, wrong. Um, and glad to be proven wrong on that. And yeah, like you said, I think it's going to vary depending on kind of what service you look at. Um, but it's a relative athletic score. I put him out today as a defensive end, 9.5 out of 10 as a linebacker, 9.89 out of 10. Um, this guy is going to be, uh, I'm, I'm very excited to see him at the NFL level. I feel him and Thomas are, I think as sure of things as you're going to find out of Oklahoma this last year. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm, again, I'm very excited to see how those guys perform. So I'm sure we'll talk about their pro days and how, when that comes up, um, we spent a lot of time talking about these guys. Now, um, there's going to be guys performing at those pro days that weren't at the combine that we'll have to talk about, but we'll leave the rest of the NFL draft talk stuff as we get closer to the NFL draft in late April. Um, pay, I think we're probably right at around an hour, 20 hour, 25 here. You want to talk about any of the players who are at the combine or just get out? Uh, I don't talk anymore about the combine, but I will say one thing and one thing only. You and Matt had left OU basketball for complete dead. Uh, I will say I was on it. No, I mean, I was lukewarm on it. I was like, I was like, oh, they may win a couple more. Uh, <laughs> uh, and even when I gave the question to the patrons, like, hey, does this team make the tourney? Um, I think everyone who answers said no, and they don't even make the NIT. Um, and now if they win a couple of games in Big 12 tournament, now it looks like, hey, uh, what is dead can't die, I guess, to a certain degree. And they could not get they may get matched up uh funny enough with the Loyola Ramblers in the first round, which would be mm-hmm. all sorts of fun. So yeah, it was a good couple of wins that they got. Mo Gibson, Manhattan, um, caught fire. First time in Manhattan since like when to 12, I think maybe 08, 2012, something like that. Long Kruger's, Long Kruger's 
Lon Kruger and Porter Moser both won in their first year in Manhattan. The Octagon of Doom was not the Octagon of Doom those days. Um, yep. So we'll see if Moser can do it in back-to-back years or do it again. Um, but the curse kind of has been lifted. We'll see what happens with that. Um, but yeah, it's getting close to it's conference championship week. It's one of the best weeks in, yeah. is, of sports. And then the tournament starts and um, we all sorts of fun. So yeah, this for is everybody that's it is. This is certainly March. This has been as good of a podcast as we've done in quite a bit, probably since the season ended. Um, we're Lincoln Riley leaving, maybe one of those. So I hope you guys enjoyed. If you have made it to this point, go please leave a nice comment, um, leave a nice review, rate us on all your podcasting platforms. We greatly, greatly appreciate it. And uh, Peyton, I think you got something else to say. Boomer. Boomer.